Hello, I'm Steve, the retired criminal investigator with the Office of Special Investigations, the Air Force's federal law enforcement agency. I'm Hannah, his daughter, the amateur true crime enthusiast. I have always been fascinated with my dad's job, and I love starting conversations with him to learn more. Join us each week as we share these conversations with you and discuss a real criminal case that piques our interest. Hello, welcome back to True Crime Archives. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. We weren't supposed to record tonight. No, we we a had a situation. We recorded on Thursday. I had to leave, go to Pennsylvania, and here we are Sunday night recording again, so that's cool. <laughs> it works out because I don't have to necessarily come back mm-hmm. this week, although yeah, right. mom probably <laughs> wishes we weren't <laughs> recording. Yeah. So uh, tonight we are talking about a case that you actually uh, chose, mm-hmm. right? Now, this is kind of similar to the... Route 29 stalker case, as in, like, there's a Mm -hmm. lot. This is a serial killer that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're not specifically talking about, like, everything. Um, But this is a specific story, kind of on how he confesses and with two murders specifically. about two murders, right. Yeah. It's going to be a little backstory. And then how we got to the confession. It's kind of cool. Right. Which makes sense that you picked it because of the the way that the story is. I'm not going to spoiler or anything, but... Oh, I'll probably spoil it soon. So, Like you do every episode. Yeah, so get started. <laughs> Specifically, who we are talking about uh, is Marianne Pryor and Lorraine M. Kelly. And this story is taking place in 1974. Mm-hmm. At the time, Marianne is 17 years old and Lorraine is 16 years old. They're both high school students at North Bergen High School in New York, in North Bergen. New Jersey or New York? <laughs> it's New Jersey. Are you sure? Yep. That's what I wanted to write down because they're yeah. we're very close. Right. This story takes place in New York and New Jersey. I right. kept getting confused. But if you, it's right across, it's Jersey, right across the the water from New York. It's that's why. And then New York comes around, so you got It's New and Jersey. Found, okay. Yeah, it's New Jersey. Sorry, guys. I keep this. There's a lot of yeah. Just there's yeah, a lot to this. Fine. Go for it. New Jersey, North Bergen, New Jersey. So this is August 9th. 1974 and both of the girls they're friends they go to the same high school they want to go to the mall just a normal normal day hanging out with your friend Mm -hmm. they want to go to the garden state plaza mall which is where did you say that it was in paramus new jersey which is 12 miles away from um from their homes yeah bergman or richfield whatever yeah yeah bergman Mm -hmm. bergen bergen yeah bergen that's where the bus stop was at yeah no that's where their homes are okay (laughs) <laughs> same thing. It's all the same, yeah. So I it's mean, 12 miles away. The, right. the mall's 12 miles away. Right. So originally, Kelly's boyfriend actually uh, gives them a ride to the bus stop and drops them off at the bus stop. Their plan is to take the bus from Ridgefield. The bus stop is in Ridgefield. Okay. <laughs> I accept your apology. Is that what you said? Yeah. No, you said the bus stop was at their home. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm sorry. I'm confused. I'm already confused. Right. This is, there's a lot of places. It's involved. the same next town over. It's 12 miles away. Wherever they. You go. always yeah. give me crap about not having the names written down of the places. Yeah, okay. So I tried this time, and it's very confusing. They're still. from Bergman, and Bergen. the bus stop Bergen. The bus stop was in Richfield, New Jersey, which is Ridgefield 12 West. miles away from the mall. Okay. All right. This is at 4.30 p.m., and this is the last time that they are seen. So mm-hmm. her, Kelly's boyfriend is the last person to see them alive. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of taking the bus, though, they decide to hitchhike. 
mm-hmm. instead of taking the bus, which is why her boyfriend was the last person to see them alive because they didn't get on the bus. Now, hitchhiking was super common for them. Yeah, I read. Na- 1984 was con- it was common. For you? Uh, 1974 it was common. Oh. <laughs> Not for me. I was yeah, I, was, I was young, but in the 70s in early 80s, maybe hitchhiking was okay. Yeah, I read something that said after this whole thing happened with them, mm-hmm. the police really cracked down on hitchhiking in mm-hmm. the 70s in this area. They were mm-hmm. like, mm, let's yeah. not do that anymore. So, like I said, that is the last time that they are seen alive. And then, and this is August 9th. So then, August 14th in Montvale, New Jersey, both girls were actually found naked and deceased in the woods behind an apartment parking lot. They were face down side by side. They had been found by someone who was just walking to their car from the, in that apartment yeah, And area. this is 12 miles nor even further away from the this mall. This is close to the New York border, which right. is why I was getting confused. Right. 24 miles away from uh, Richfield. So even... Mm-hmm. The last place they were seen. Right, right, right. So even further north of where they were. So, of where they were supposed to go. Yes. Okay, so the bodies were found. Yes, and it had it was apparent that they had been beaten, sexually assaulted, and strangled. Strangled. So when the police arrived, that's really mm-hmm. the first thing that they noticed. Nancy Pryor, who is Marianne Pryor's sister, she was 19 years old at the time, actually had to identify mm-hmm. Marianne, and she identified her by the gold cross necklace that Marianne wore. Uh, which is really sad that her sister had to be yeah. the one to do that. So what are they going to do now? The investigators have to figure out what's going on, do their investigating, right? Right, and the autopsy ruled cause of death asphyxiation. Mm-hmm. And other than that, there's really no nothing, right? They They start with talking to friends and family. They look into their criminal records, drugs. I mean, these are older high school students, so they're like, let's talk to their friends, maybe drugs involved. Maybe you know, boyfriends, ex-boyfriends, mm, yeah. uh, but they ended up coming well, to the conclusion that everyone in their life was. Yeah, yeah, no, they good. they did. They interviewed ex-boyfriends mm-hmm. and boyfriends and um, cleared them, and they interviewed everyone. family members. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. And they interviewed they everyone. Even, they even pursued rumors and false uh, false alarms. Yeah, uh, five years after they were murdered, so around like 1979, there was actually uh, someone who had been found guilty, Robert Reldon, had been found guilty of two similar murders where both victims had been found naked and strangled in the woods with possible sexual assaults. Uh Um, However, it ended up being that he was in jail at the time of uh, Marianne and Lorraine's murders. But he had been out on parole, so there was some speculation. And then there was actually a serial rape and murder spree going on in this area from August of 1974 to October of 1975 Mm. of girls between the ages of 14 to 26 or 22. Um, And the victims, six of the victims had been strangled. So that was a working theory for a while, too, Mm -hmm. because that was like right at the start. Yeah. So the, the theory was that Marianne and Lorraine had been the first victims of that spree. All right. But ultimately, that goes nowhere. Just rumors. Yeah. And it goes cold. Yep. <laughs> it ends up being a cold case. I thought you were making fun of me for the last week. No, no, no. I just, they exhausted everything. They had nothing. Yep. So this is 1974, right? So now we're going to fast forward to 2000. So let's let's back up for a second. Where did they find the girls? Just let's talk about Outside. that. Is that what you're talking about? Or yeah, you want location? Specific details about the bodies that's the crime scene or no let's talk about that yes they were found outside in the woods behind an apartment building 
so obviously At the, close to the border. Right. What we say, twenty four miles away. Yeah. Obviously, so they didn't collect any evidence. I didn't see that any evidence had been and found. The, and they believed that that that. I'll they, tell you the one piece of evidence they have later, but you're skip that skipping ahead. <laughs> no. Well, we're doing the investigation, so they find the bodies and they have to secure that, and they don't. They have to figure out whether that's a crime scene or not. I meant from the murderer. Right. So what I'm saying is they didn't collect any evidence. Right. So they're probably thinking that this is not where um, where the murder happened. Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, we got to talk about the crime scene and the, and the investigation gotcha. started, you know. So did they get any DNA or anything like that? No. No, no DNA, nope. nothing. Just probably the clothes they had on. Uh, I didn't see if it said that their clothes were there because remember I said yeah, they were found. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So so they had nothing. So they're searching. They're mm-hmm. frustrated. They have two bodies, and it's it's clear that they were beaten and raped. And again, this is 1974, so probably no DNA. You're right. And okay, so they have nothing. No physical evidence. Right. Okay. Yeah. So they really are going on nothing. Okay. Here. Yep. So I fast forwarded to 2000, 2000, just 2000. Uh-huh. Detective Robert Anzalotti with the Bergen County Prosecutor's Office was assigned to this specific case because now can you maybe explain, maybe it's just common sense. I don't know if you can like really explain if it's not something that happens in the military community, but now this case was treated as one case. It's a double homicide, double murder because they were found and murdered together, They're right? F- they so left. They left. They were friends. They le- right. They left together. Somebody mm-hmm. dropped them off at the bus stop together. They both were missing together, and they both found dead together. So it's yeah. They would investigate it as one. It counts as one case. Now, okay. now, do do they have two different files? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, administratively stuff that you would people wouldn't really care about. Back at the police department, one file for one victim, another file for for. The other victim to catalog it, yeah, may, maybe, right? And mm-hmm. and could there, if they catch a bad guy, could there be, you know, two different trials, potentially, maybe not. Oh, it, but 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 yeah, they're investigating it as one because of all those reasons that they left together, mm-hmm. they showed up dead together, you know, kind of thing. Okay, makes sense. So Detective Anzalotti is given this case, so it's one case. And there's also some other cold cases from the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. In this time frame, there was at least five unsolved murders of girls, young girls, mm-hmm. w- young women also. We'll find out later. Before we really move on with the rest of the story mm-hmm. about uh, Marianne Pryor and Lorraine, yeah, we really have to talk about the, who the main suspect is because yeah. this story is mostly going to be about Detective Anzalotti and... Right. The serial killer does have a good outcome, though. Right. So, so so let's do it this way, right? Okay, so we gave you the story. The case is cold. What year are we at now? We're in 2000. Okay, 2000. So what has been going on, then, and how do we get to the bad guy? Why don't you just go through that? Yeah. Right. So I'm going to give a little backstory and get... Cause this backstory, this quick backstory and why this man is in prison is yes. why he was let... Okay? Okay. So we're talking about Richard Cottingham, Okay. Um, he was born in 1946, grew up in New Jersey. He was married in 1970, and he was a father of three, which like isn't super important to know stuff about him, but like mm-hmm. I always think it's interesting when these people are fathers and yeah. husbands. Yeah, It's crazy. Also, what I thought was interesting was that he was a computer operator at Blue Cross Blue Shield. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never actually heard of anyone who works there. People just work there. 
yeah, it is a place. I know, but I like I just never I've never heard mm. of anyone okay. working All there. Right. It's just one of those places that you don't hear of yeah. people working there; they just do. Yeah. Okay. Um, in Manhattan, so he com- he commuted to his job. Now this is important. He commuted to his job and he rented an apartment out there in the city. And he was telling his wife that he was like working late nights. He was working late, so he had a second whole second apartment outside mm-hmm. of his wife and kids, right in mm-hmm. New in New York, Manhattan. So December second, nineteen seventy nine, two women were found dead in a hotel room that had been set on fire. Mm-hmm. Bodies had been mutil- mutilated. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that goes kind of unsolved. May nineteen eighty, another two women from Times Square's from Times Square. Uh, they were found dead in a New Jersey motel. And June 1980, a fifth woman was found murdered in a hotel in Manhattan. And then May of 1980, so literally just like a few weeks, month to a month later, a woman was screaming in a hotel in New Jersey and the like employees of that motel came to her rescue. And they literally, like Richard Cottingham was running, he was trying to run away. They literally caught him red-handed. And she was, mm-hmm. he was attacking her. She had been handcuffed. It was, she made it out. She was, survived the attack. But that's why he was apprehended. And they found out that he was the one that had committed the mm-hmm. previous murders in hotels. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, he did deny all of these charges and claimed his innocence. Um, he didn't deny the May 1990 attack. Because he was literally caught red-handed. And so he said that he knew her. And he, he didn't deny that one. But he did deny all the murders and the other women. Um, however, he was convicted of all five murders and received five life sentences. And he was dubbed the Torso Killer. Yeah, so why was why was that? Why was he dubbed? The, what was his signature? A couple of the women, their bodies had been... Yeah, had been mutilated. Mutilated, yeah. yeah. And all that he really left was his... The, the torso. Their, their torso, yeah. Yep. So he was, that's what he was dubbed. Um, some people also called him the Times Square Killer at mm-hmm. one point, too. He was known as a couple different yeah. mm-hmm. names, but I think the Torso Killer is probably what some, you guys know him as. So there were some similarities. Uh, there were some similarities, but it, it there was still some differences, too. So the police, that's why they... There was not some... What are you talking about? Between Marianne Pryor and... No. Oh, oh between the these five. The five. Okay, okay, okay. There were some similarities, but then not everything was the, was the same. Right, because I don't think all of them had been mutilated yeah. in that way. It was only a few yeah. of them, the first couple, yeah. He very much is escalating, is what we'll find out. He yes, very much escalates yes. in his uh-huh. like textbook serial killer. All right, so right now he's in jail. Mm-hmm. He goes. He gets sentenced at like three hundred years. What year Five, is this? No, the, no, the three hundred years it doesn't come until oh, okay. le- this year. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Originally, yeah. Originally, it's only like a hundred and seventy-nine. Okay. Right. Yeah. Originally, he has like a hundred some sentence. Okay. He we'll, we'll get there. He gets sentenced for uh, more. Okay. So he's he gets convicted and gets sentenced. What year is this again? Nineteen eighty. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. Also, by the way, he does have a like a, a record. He has a criminal record before these murders. He has a lot of sexual assaults. Mm-hmm. He has a DUI. He has he has a pretty good rap sheet. He's a pr- not a nice man. Okay. So I do want to say that when I mentioned the escalation thing, mm-hmm. it did start like he did start with like sexually assaulting, drugging, mm-hmm. yep. kidnapping, all that stuff. Okay. Okay. So now in 2000, when Detective Anzalotti is handed these this case and the other cases, remember there's still a few other women that had been murdered, there had been some speculation that Richard Cottingham could have been the murderer. 
since he was put in jail. Just because of the proximity to all of the victims. Yep. Where he lived and where they were all found or he, taken from. He was from. the local serial killer. Right. And, and you should have put had him on the list maybe, potentially, you know? Right. And now, like I said, though, the women in um, New Jersey, like the original five that he's convicted mm-hmm. for, and then Marianne Pryor and Lorraine, they were murdered in different ways. Right. Also... What is it? Victimology? Is that what it'd be called? Yeah, yeah. The women that he is convicted of, they were all sex workers. Mm-hmm. And then these two are high school girls. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So there is a clear difference. Yeah. So I think, yeah. I guess that's why they never really pursued it yeah. that much. They mm-hmm. never really did anything. However, to Ancelotti, he just has like this gut feeling. He's like, mm, I have to do something about this. I have to figure something out. So he actually decides. This is in 2000 now. Yes. He says, I think we have to take a look at this guy. Yeah. And he needs a way to get in there and talk to him. Did you yeah. read how he he went about it? Yes. Go for it. Tell in us. The, so he gets word that um, Cottingham is running bets on sports in prison with all the other inmates. Mm-hmm. And so Ancelotti, which, by the way, I didn't know that he could do this. He set up a inspection right like a surprise inspection yeah i don't know could i don't know police officers could just do yeah that. so here's, here's what he's probably doing right the detective he he's okay this is a cold case let me just look at all serial killers right mm-hmm. somehow because this is unclear because it's the story is mostly about him and the, the bad guy mm-hmm. he somehow says this is this is a guy that we probably should just take a look at. He's he confessed, he, you know, he did these other murders same time, some similarities. Let me just go and take a look at this guy. But you're right. So he found out he's doing some betting in the prison, and he does a what? He does a surprise search of all the inmates' cells. Mm-hmm. Because by the way, like the what was being bet the the betting? I can't think of the word. Was cash and cigarettes. That was, was the transaction. The, yeah, that was the, yeah. the payout. That was what they were using to pay these bets was cash and cigarettes, which is contraband, right? Con- right, right. So he does a surprise search literally the day after the Super Bowl in 2003, which, by the way, was Oakland Raiders and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay 148-221. Mm. Fun right. fact. <laughs> what, what was your question then about how to, what a police officer do? I, like he's, it, said, it specifically said that he was the one that arranged a surprise search. I didn't know that detectives could do that at a jail. I mean, I guess they're all law enforcement if it's well, for a... Here's the interesting thing. He worked for the Bergen City Prosecutor's Office, so he was a... He was a detective in the prosecutor's office. He was their um, investigative unit, right? That's interesting. Yeah, they they have those. Yeah, what he did, he called up and he... he so he just called them. You well, know, he talked to the prison and they orchestrated it, you know? Interesting. Probably, yeah. You know? Makes sense. It's a tool. They did an inspection. They're prisoners. They don't really have right situations like that, so... Right. Well, right. he probably also told them, look, I want to do an inspection of all these people... We can use this as an excuse to do it, but really, I want to get in and get close to Cottingham. Mm-hmm. That that was his goal, and you got to kind of. It was a ruse, you know, yeah, to kind of yeah. get in and bump in, and then we're going to learn some more. Yeah. So they do that inspection, and obviously, contraband is found the day after the Super Bowl, and he's mm-hmm. the one that's like handling all these bets. 
So because of that, he is put into solitary confinement. Mm-hmm. And then after a few days, Anzalotti like lets him sit there and stew. And after yeah. a few days, he goes in and he straight up tells him, he's like, I put you here. <laughs> yeah. I that I was like, it, oh, it's okay. all contrived, right? Yeah. This, by the way, I'm sorry, is 2003 when this happens. It's my bad. I forgot to say that. No, so he took three years to work this all and figure this all out. Right. So that happened in 2003. Because so he took he's the case over. The case in 2000. Yeah. And so so that gives you an idea. Like, he didn't just jump to the jail and do this. He he spent three years figuring out, oh, this guy might be, let me look into this guy and what he's convicted for, where he was. Mm-hmm. So We're going to find out this Anzalotti yeah. guy works a, lo- works, works a long game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's 2003. Mm-hmm. So he goes and talks to him, and he basically is like, "You're gonna tell me what I want to know." <laughs> He's like, "Look, you like." He, I imagine him being like, "You're already in here for, mm-hmm. dude. You're not getting out of here. <laughs> Just tell me what I want to know." But uh, it's not that easy. Cottingham is like, nah, "I'm not gonna tell you anything," <laughs> and they began to almost like build a friendship. Not always the gr- like. It wasn't obviously like a friendship, friendship, but. Anzalotti wants Detective Anzalotti wants yeah he had an agenda information he had right an agenda, yep. and I read that it was it was there was kind of a lot of back and forth it wasn't always as smooth it wasn't right, always no. as warm obviously he was a mm-hmm. convicted murderer spending his life right. in jail yeah yeah uh, but Detective Anzalotti kind of sets it up for him to start coming out to his office like he sets it up for them to drive Richard Cottingham from the jail that he was staying at the prison to Detective Anzalotti's office, which is over an hour away. So mm-hmm. he gets a little free time, basically. Mm-hmm. And they're ordering pizza. They're playing cards. Playing cards yeah. There's other there's other police officers. Like, mm-hmm. they're all hanging out, mm-hmm. building this friendship, basically. This goes on for six years. That's yeah, insane back to me. Yeah, back and forth, right. Is that not, like, there's nothing wrong with that? Like, he can do that? There's, yeah, there's nothing. As long as he wants to talk with them, meet with them, there's nothing... He's not violating his rights or anything. He's just talking to him. No, but someone I, I can imagine like a defense attorney would have a good time with that saying Yes. You're getting a little too yes. close to him. Yes. You, once you start asking incriminating questions, you have to do the rights advisement, right? Because he's right. in custody. But other than that, you, you don't know. This is it they just talk because what I understand is they just talked about nothing sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? He was building so it did say, was it six years? So within the first, I think it was it was in the six years, he did slowly start to talk about, Cottingham slowly started to talk about the murders he was already convicted of. He did start to slowly talk about the murders he had already been convicted of, which yes. Robert Anzalotti was like, okay, whatever, talk to me about that because I want you to be comfortable talking about yeah, murder he to me. Started, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so he starts talking about those, and then after six years, he does confess to killing Nancy Shiava Vogel in 1967 in Ridgefield Park. So Ridgefield, we mentioned that. Yeah. It's the same area. Uh, New Jersey, sorry. She was a 20, 29-year-old mom at the time, mm-hmm. so that's when I mentioned earlier there was like five girls, young women. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he ended up pleading guilty to this murder in 2010. So this is the first murder he confesses to Anzalotti in their yeah. six years, right? Which is in addition to what he's already convicted right. to. Right. So yeah. don't forget, he's convicted of five. Yeah. Yep. And so now he confesses to this sixth murder and they take him to trial. He pleads guilty or they don't take him to trial. They charge him with it. He pleads guilty. Um, however, it was it was public, right? 
so th- this is a cold case. She was murdered in what did I say? 1967. Mm-hmm. So that's before uh, Pryor and Kelly. So he puts them in Richfield before the girls were murdered. Right, which was 1974. 74, yeah. So, but so this is a public trial. This this mm-hmm. goes out to the media, and what do you think happens to Cottingham's family? They get kind of bombarded, bombarded yeah. with not only police, but then media coverage mm-hmm. and attention. Because this, this is in 2010, mm-hmm. 1967. How many years is that? 60, oh, well, no, I don't know. How, I don't remember how old you were in t- 2010. 54 years. Oh, 2010? Yeah, that's what I was saying, 2010. 40-something? Oh, no, hold on, 10. How many years? <laughs> Freaking math in public. <laughs> Never mind, move forward. 40-something years. I'm move sorry, forward, it's not funny. Yeah. Laughing about the math, we always do that to ourselves. Mm-hmm. That I think that's what I was going to write down. So yeah, uh, it's a it's a public forty four. Forty four. Yeah, that was eleven years ago. Yeah. So just subtract yeah. and then right. add one year. Subtract one year. Yes, go forward, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep moving. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I lost my place. What was I? Okay, it's two thousand ten. So yeah, the family. It's big. It's, it's yeah. news. So, Co- Richard Cottingham's family. Is being bombarded with police and news and media and p- everything, and he gets. Of course, really they already know he's this. in jail, though, so they already know he's a killer, right? But he was convicted in mm-hmm. what did I say, nineteen eighty, eighty one. Yeah. So they haven't really had to deal with any oh, of this. Oh yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so so he gets upset. He's like, "Hold up, I don't want, I didn't want this. I didn't want their lives to be affected. I didn't want them to be bombarded and harassed." And so he gets kind of mad at Anzalotti and doesn't yeah. speak to him for a year. A year, yeah. Yeah, and he. And at this point, by the way, Anzalotti is now chief at this point mm-hmm. in 2010. Yeah. So he does eventually come back. Like, I guess he kind of seemed like maybe he missed the friendship. But honestly, he probably just missed leaving the prison mm-hmm. every so often for as long as he could getting Absolutely, pizza. Yep. That's probably what he missed. Well, maybe. So and he had nobody. He had nobody to talk to. So, right. you know. Right. I can't imagine people were nice to him. In if prison. a cop's the only person you want to talk to and you have nobody to talk to, you're going to talk to him. Right, right. Okay. So he, after a year, he comes back and he's like, okay, I'll talk to you, but whatever I say, whatever I confess to, if I, if I do more, if I talk more, it can't be public. It can't be public. My family can't be harassed. Yeah. You can't put it in the news, blah, 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 blah. Right? I mean, okay. So... Um, Anzalotti agrees to this. Now, remember, though, he is trying. Anzalotti is trying to solve specific cases. He has that five, yeah, but yeah. he is set really on um, Pryor and, Kelly. and Kelly. Those are the certain cold cases. Mm-hmm. Obviously, any other murder murders that Cottingham confesses to is great. Mm-hmm. Right. As yeah. long as he can corroborate it. And yeah, if, if it really is true, he can solve another murder. Mm-hmm. then that's great closure and justice for that family and that victim. So really, it's all still a win, mm-hmm. but originally it started because of Pryor and um, Kelly. Now, once they started talking again, Cunningham does start to confess to more murders. Now he does not know or remember the names of his victims. He does. He doesn't know their names. Mm-hmm. He can describe them. He can describe what they looked like. Uh, I guess he was like actually telling. Anzalotti like mm-hmm. she looked like that one actress L- pull up that actress she looked like that actress so he remembers like what they looked like mm-hmm. and like what they were wearing but he doesn't remember their na- he doesn't know their names so he would describe someone and Anzalotti has this list he knows these people 
really well. He yeah. studied their picture, their information. And as Cottingham was confessing and describing, he would be like, I know who that is. And he, one by one, was slowly starting to give closure to the families. He did have to, however, get obviously the family's permission to really not charge him and not put it in the public. Yeah. And I guess from what I was reading, it sounded like he brought it specifically a woman by the name of, I don't want to mess up her name, Irene Blaze. He specifically had to ask her family if they were okay with like not taking it to trial mm-hmm. so he could continue to get more confessions and continue to, you know, solve mm-hmm. these cases. And her family ultimately was like, yeah, if it, you know, if it helps more families, mm-hmm. if it helps solve more cases, then yeah, we're okay with it. So in 2014, Anzalotti is the one driving Cottingham back to jail. So I guess he started driving mm-hmm. him himself yep. too. <laughs> anytime, I guess anytime to spend more time with him, huh? Yeah. To really get... Yeah, he, you know, he, he's invested, like you said, the long game. Real long. This is mm. 14... Y- well, I guess he started talking to him in 2003. Mm-hmm. He's had the case for 14 years. Mm-hmm. 11 mm. years since yep. he started talking to him. Yep. Um, And Richard, so he's driving him back to the jail, the prison, and Richard starts to talk about a girl he murdered in Hackensack, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, no, I'm sorry. I just explained that. 2020. I'm sorry. Yeah. 2014 is when he confessed to Irene's murder. And he's slowly after her starting to confess to all the other murders. Mm-hmm. Right. But he's not being charged with any of these. Yeah. He's they're just letting him talk. He kind of have has mm-hmm. immunity at this point. Uh, so now if you remember that I mentioned Anzalotti has promised him, like I just mm-hmm. said, he's not going to go to the media. He's not going to speak about their conversations. Mm-hmm. Well, January of 2020 last year, dad. I didn't realize that when I was reading through this. Yeah. This has like a recent yep. update. Is that yeah. how you found this case yeah. in the news? Yeah, they called it the sergeant and the serial killer. Yeah. That's what the news is, is has been calling it. He was a sergeant when he took over the case. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So January of 2020, it's actually a true crime writer by the name of Peter Vronsky mm-hmm. announces that he is uh, publishing a book where Richard Cottingham reveals details of his crimes. Apparently, Peter had been visiting him mm-hmm. in prison and talking to him. Kind of sounds like Richard is just going to talk to whoever wants to listen. Yeah, yeah, he's got no friends. He's a loser. Yeah. Apparently, now he's okay with the stories getting out there mm-hmm. because Peter Vronsky is claiming that he's talking about all the mm-hmm. other murders that he yeah. committed that he's not in prison for. Mm-hmm. Ancelotti's kind of like, okay, I, I don't have to keep my promise anymore. <laughs> What you're you're coming out with a book? I don't I don't have to keep this mm-hmm. secret and I don't have to do this. So in March of 2020, he actually Anzalotti has decided that he wants to retire. He's coming to the end of his career. Yeah. This is now 20 years that he's had these cases. This mm-hmm. case, 20 years. So when he decides this, like I said, 20 years, the murders mm-hmm. are still unsolved of uh, Marion Pryor and Lorraine Kelly. He right. decides to go visit Cottingham again and tell him that he is retiring. He's, but he he's still convinced that he is going to yeah. solve. Like his goal in going to tell him that is that he'll Cottingham will confess. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit about telling him he's retiring. That's just the guys again. Remember, it's just yeah the ruse, right? He tells him that he is retiring and he wants to finish this out. He wants to close the cases or the case mm-hmm. once and for all. And finally, so that's in March of 2020, and finally on April 14th of 2020, Richard does begin to talk, and he begins to explain what happened and what he did. Now, I mentioned that he didn't know any of the names of his victims, 
but he specifically remembered uh, Marion Pryor and mm-hmm. Lorraine Kelly. And mm-hmm. he said that's because he had been with them for a few days and had gotten to know them. And he just starts confessing on this now. Yeah. And he explains that it was raining that day and he had been mm-hmm. driving home from work. He saw them walking, turned around, you know, kind of just told them to get in, mm-hmm. hop in. It was raining. Yeah. In the car. Right. Yep. And he, he does. It, I read that he does seem to ha- be remorseful because he says that he he knows that they wouldn't have told on him so he even recognized that he didn't need to kill them is what i, I was I, reading i thought that oh okay maybe i'm i'm skipping ahead i right, continue so they're in the car i get them into the car right yeah what do you you have you going well no i just he gets them into a hotel room uh, yeah eventually. he brought them back to the hotel yeah but i read that he told prior that he would hurt kelly if they didn't they didn't go into the hotel with him or something like that oh I probably i didn't read that part yeah I didn't read so that. i think i think i mean it, later yeah, on yeah, he no, is I got telling it. I, I think he, at yeah. first oh come on in you need a ride and then he well cuz they were hitchhiking right. remember and then they so th- i think obviously they were like sticking their thumb just, out just like in the in the movies they went hey that's our turn off and they go to a hotel and he He's trying to convince them, and he says, "Look, I'm going to hurt Pryor if you don't come right. in, Kelly." So, at this point, he's forcing them into the hotel. Mm-hmm. Is what what he t- what he said, what he talked about. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was it was just awful. Obviously, we know the how they were found. Yeah, but they weren't found in a hotel. They were found dumped somewhere. So that that right. So they were right, like yeah, you said, that wasn't the yeah. crime scene. Yeah, yeah. And he. Okay, so go ahead. What were you going to say next? So they are going to charge him with these murders. Okay, yeah. But he he takes him to a hotel. He verified the location of the body. That was something that was important. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he verifies, okay, and I dumped him. But he, he says, I tortured them, I raped them, and he drowned them in the bathroom tub. I didn't want to say those words. Why? I, I have a hard a, time still. But it's a it's a... True crime. I know, podcast. but you are the gonna, professional, so yeah. you, I I was waiting for okay. you to say it. I don't All like right. saying it. So, but he he tells him. Yes. He says, "Yeah, I forced him into the hotel, and I kept him there for a couple days. I, I guess. Yeah, a couple days. And he and he tortured them. And he raped them. He, he probably had them tied up and stuff. And then he drowned them in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. But then he must have. I mean, can you picture this? He gets them both back in the car and takes them and dumps them mm-hmm. and then he verified the location of that body the place that, you know the woods yeah. behind this pl- place he, he he verifies that so it's all adding up now. I think it also said he he mentioned like jewelry that they were wearing and what they were yes. wearing he was able to they were able to basically corroborate that he was in fact the one who murdered them yep like I said a true escalation that was a true escalation yeah. Yeah. of all of his crimes yeah, and they, you know, killer. again, the autopsy ruled asphyxiation, so mm-hmm. he said he strangled or drowned him, so um, that's the same effect. Um, oh, he, he tortured him with lit cigarettes, he had said. Mm-hmm. You know, he just raped, uh, ligature marks on the, they had ligature marks on the neck, so he, he, he just, he described all this uh, in, in detail, and then where he, where he dumped the body. Something that I f- we forgot to mention w- that was interesting the one thing he didn't do is he wasn't the type of killer, uh, killer that returned to the scene of the crime or whatever. When they had the funeral for this for these girls, 
there was like a couple hundred people there and there was undercover police officers. They were like in the crowd and oh, yeah. and grave diggers and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he he never he never showed show back up there. They had their the funeral together. Yeah, yeah. Because they like I said, they were friends. They went to the same high school, mm-hmm. so they had the same friends. So. All yeah. right, so they're gonna convict him now. Yep. Uh, no more immunity. I I don't think Anzalotti would have ever agreed yeah. to immunity for the. These were the two cases that he really wanted yep. to solve. So he pleads guilty to both murders. Um, mm-hmm. three days after he pleads guilty, Anzalotti, Detective Anzalotti, Chief Anzalotti, retires. He he actually thanked Cottingham for allowing him to help him sur- solve these murders. Yeah, I read that he like went up to him and like shook his hand. Yeah, and he thanked afterward. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks so much. Appreciate you helping me solve these this crime. Yeah, and I think I read Cunningham said something about like you're welcome or I'm happy mm-hmm. to said something like that. Yeah, but he ends up getting after all of this three hundred years. Wow, three hundred years. Yeah, he's done. It, it it's not consecutive though. It's concurrent. I, it, yeah. So there was a I, I read I heard okay. somewhere that the, yeah. A hundred year, hundred twenty four was the first year. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So three hundred years. And he currently is 66 years old. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's not Yeah, he's not getting out of prison. No. Uh, but, I mean, it was a good ending, I guess. Yeah. How many he, years did this this detective engage in a relationship? So, he in the relationship yeah, from the, 2003, 2003 to 2020. To 2020. <laughs> You're asking seven, me to do math in public again. 17. <laughs> 17 years 17 he went years. back and forth i mean it he had cooled the off case for, for 20 while. years yeah. though yeah it cooled off for for um a little while but he yeah he got him so yeah. and then it's funny you see the, the the big picture last year they're all wearing masks and doing the arraignment um via the video or whatever you know he well in april of this year is when the last update i think the yeah. sentence was april of this year and yeah. that's where he ended up with the extra time that brought it mm-hmm. to 300 was April of this year. So that must have been why you saw. Yeah. How many people did he kill altogether? Do you know off the top of your head? So 11. 11, okay. But apparently, possibly, I saw a lot of things that said up to 100. Yeah, I don't I, know how accurate that is. It, it's, it's very rarely a serial killer is up re- to that. Yeah, who really knows how many. How many did Detective Anzalotti get him to confess to? Oh, gosh. So... He did end up confessing to the other three. There was About five, or six? so I think yeah, five, five. Yeah, okay. six. I believe six because he was he already was in jail for the five. five yeah, and there's eleven, so th- there was six. Yes, yeah, six. So that's that's how it ends. I mean, that's that's cool. That's good good detective work. Yeah, that's a that's another interesting method. I did also read like while I was doing the research for this case, uh, a couple of detectives. They are a couple of police officers and there was some speculation that yeah. I think back in 2010 or 2014, they were like, man, if we just have DNA, yeah. this could be a DNA case. Yeah. You imagine? H- here's what's interesting about Oh, oh, oh. oh. I was going to mention earlier. Yeah. I'm sorry. You asked about DNA. Mm-hmm. So what I was going to say is that specifically, see, this, I, this is what I was going to write on the board. So Cottingham ends up confessing or kind of divulging that he specifically was mm. changing up the way he yes. was doing things oh that's right so we, that the police wouldn't yeah. fo- be focusing on one person which i guess worked for a while I, I forgot that's why in the beginning we said there were two 
that was similar, and that's why they called him the torso. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't it wasn't always the same. Yeah. And the reason we said that at the beginning was because of this, because he was right. changing up his his signature. He was specifically. And, and there's some speculation that he was kind of aware of forensics mm-hmm. because out of 11, at least 11, 11 confessed, mm-hmm. right? Only one fingerprint. Mm-hmm. One fingerprint yeah, wow. is recovered. And it's off of the handcuff from the woman who survived his attack where he was originally arrested for the, the first five. Uh-huh. One fingerprint. Can you imagine this detective? I don't. Most detectives would not spend twenty years romancing a, a serial killer. It, at some point, fourteen, but yeah, seventeen. At some yeah. point, he must have had an inclination that this guy was the guy that did it. Because, but there's no. He just continued the relationship. He was confessing mm-hmm. to these other murders, but he. Did, it still doesn't suggest whether he actually had got to the point where he really believed he was the killer. When, you know, so. Uh, Detective Anzalotti actually has his own website with a lot of really great resources. And if you want to go, if you guys want to go read his website, I'll like link it on the Instagram or Twitter. It's really cool. It's really cool. A lot of great information. But on there, I think it has a lot of quotes from him. It does say that he said that he just had a gut feeling. That he just, yeah. in his gut, knew a- he, that it, Cottingham was the, the murderer. And until he confessed, he didn't really know 100%. So that's kind of cool. So yeah. he persisted. Not a lot of police officers. I, I don't know too many that would do that. So good on him. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's awesome that he spent that much time. Cool. I and how much uh, backlash do you think he got from like his coworkers and other police officers and I, law I enforcement? Doubt, I doubt that he cared. I know, but I just thinking yeah. about it, they were like, you're silly, you're being stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, that's never yeah, going to happen. Prob- He's not going to confess. It's possible. So right. I think that's that's, that's it. it. We yeah. got kind of a happy ending. We got some resolution mm-hmm. to a lot of cases. Yeah. Solved some cold cases. And that was a good one, Dad. Yeah, you sure did. Was. You did a good a good job. <laughs> you too. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Well, you're the one that picked it. Mm-hmm. So if you guys are enjoying listening... Please give us a rate and review on Apple Podcast. Let us know what you love. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at True Crime Archives Podcast and then on Twitter at TC Archives Pod. That's where I'll put all the important information on each of these cases. Mm-hmm. I said I'd link. I'll link the uh, Detective Anzalotti's website as well. That's it. Please, you can listen to us, by the way. I don't think I've said this in a while. You can listen to us on l- almost pretty much every platform, anywhere you listen to your podcasts so if you're just listening this with a friend you can literally go subscribe to us anywhere we have now close to what 30 episodes you think this is number yeah yes yes the previous one is 30 so now over 30 episodes mm-hmm. you can binge and listen to us yeah right <laughs> so go do that yeah while you're cleaning cooking playing with the kids outside walking the dog driving i drive <laughs> all right We will talk to you guys next week. Later. Bye.